0: You're listening to the Theology Mom podcast. And now, here's Theology Mom, Krista Bontrager.
1: Welcome to All the Things, the show where we talk about all things related to God, life, and the Bible. My name is Monique. And I'm Krista Bontrager. I wasn't giving my full government name, that's but okay. that's okay.
0: <laughs> also known as Theology Mom. And we are on tape. Yes, yes. Right now, we are recording on Friday night because all of us uh, have jobs
1: on yes. Saturday night. So we need to work. Yes. And I don't know if we're really on tape like like the the big thing. Like We're not like that. No. That's a long time ago. Yeah. Anyway, welcome to All The Things. And how was your week? Let's get this show going.
0: Yes. Well, it was pretty good. Uh, very busy at work. But... Uh, Pretty good. I'm I'm wearing hoop earrings for the first time. This is the big development in my life.
1: Yes, and I like them. I say rock on with your bad self. Yes. That's actually the line of a song. I have to watch myself. So, And if you know what song that is, go ahead and put a little shout out in the comment section. Yes. <laughs> so
0: I will be uh, monitoring the comments during the show. So if you want to go ahead and participate in the live chat or if you're watching us on Facebook, go ahead and put those comments there in me and our special guest that we're going to introduce in just a minute. We'll be participating on the live comments awesome. during the show. Um, and we do want to encourage people to uh, click on the share button, help to support this ministry by sharing the show as we're talking tonight. Share it. Share it.
1: Share it. That will yes. help
0: us greatly. And we also want to mention Mr. Wonderful, the official button pusher of all the things. Yes. Robert Bontrager. Hello. Hello. <laughs> His camera's broken tonight, so we're using the uh, yeah, the, the messy cam.
1: That's rather <laughs> unfortunate. <laughs> Maybe it'll be back next week. So hey. people
0: can see all of our mayhem and foolishness in our living room.
1: It's all right. It's <laughs> all right. Um, last week, we did kind of like a social media grab bag. Yes. We it was did. just kind of... Random things. Yes, random things. Take this, take that.
0: But it was all pretty good. Yeah. And just try to talk about tying it into each one to the Christian worldview. It was a lot of fun. I had a great time on the show.
1: It was. What was your favorite one?
0: Um, ooh, that would be tough. Probably uh, Promise Sawyer in the giant afro.
1: Oh, she was cute. I liked <laughs> yeah. her. I liked her a lot. My favorite one was the hula hoop.
0: Oh, the hula hoop. Girl. Yeah. Yeah. That yeah. was good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So make sure to catch the replay, and it is out right now on Spotify, Google Play, YouTube, Apple
0: Podcasts. Apple
1: Podcasts. Yep. Yeah. So
0: I also want to give a shout out to our show sponsor, uh, Fa- Family Two Ten Clothing. Uh, you can use the promo code Theology and at checkout and save ten percent. And uh, Bob's uploaded a lot of new designs even this week so go there and explore and uh if you want to help support the show and support our family um this show does cost us some money to Mm -hmm. to put on and um we are not wealthy people but we do enjoy investing in others and it's a great ministry that our family loves doing together but if you want to help support the ministry this is a very great practical way to do that
1: awesome awesome All and right, so let's do the do the rundown today. Yes, what are we talking about? Money, 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 money. That's another song, people. I'm telling you, this is just yes. Oh, or there was the one by Biggie Smalls. R.I.P. Um, the more money you come across, the more from I. Oh, that's the jam. I'm sorry. You know what? If you are. Like a product of that late 90s, early 2000 music. You just go ahead and put that in the comments. That's all (laughs) I'm saying. Um, Anyway, we're talking about money. We love to
0: talk about money. We stress about money. Yes. We want more money. Yes. We think about money all the time. Did you know that money disputes are one of the top reasons for divorce? Oh, that's horrible. Yeah. Yes. It's like number one or close to number one is is money problems.
1: The Bible says that money is evil.
0: No, not quite.
1: Oh, well, never mind then. (laughs) I think it's the love of money
0: Oh, we're, is that yeah. the
1: root of all evil. we'll but we talk
0: about that. Maybe.
1: I don't know. I'm just, I could, I could be, maybe, maybe I should just give it away. I don't know. <laughs> I need it. No, I need it.
0: So we're going to talk about money. God's, what does God think about our money? Yes. Because we like to connect God and the Bible to real life. And there's not much more real than money.
1: Yes. That's for sure. That's where it gets ugly. That's where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> when you try to get in my wallet. Yes. It's God in your wallet. You know, he has his points. Yes. But I tell everybody, don't come for my money. Don't come for my wallet. Don't come for it. Anyway. We're also we, going to talk about
0: healing. Yes. Again, we had a follow-up question from a viewer. And so we're going to field that as well. So it should be a good time on the show. Yes. All right. So you're going to introduce our our special guest?
1: Well, I kind of thought you were going to introduce her. Yes. Yes. I feel like it's more fitting that way. Okay. Normally you do the (laughs) introduction. I know. But But she's not my BFF.
0: I know. She's mine. All right. So let's welcome my best friend, Laura Hartley, to the show. Hello. Beaming in from Wiley, Texas. Woo, woo. Yeah. The, the buzzing normally, metropolis of Wiley, normally Texas. Normally, I'm
2: just giving a shout out from the comments. So it's <laughs> yeah. quite fun. I'm quite honored to be invited to be on the show. I know. Well, I,
0: I'm glad you're doing this because I've been mean, we've been wanting to have you on for a while and to talk about money and everything related to money. Now, we should probably say that Laura used to live locally here, grew up Uh, near us and then moved to Texas a little over two years ago now and is living the good life there in the great state of Texas. But maybe let's just start by having you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got interested in the topic of personal finances
2: and budgeting Okay. Well, um, start with the basics. I'm a mom of two teenage girls, one in college um, and another in high school. So they um, they love to ask for my money. Um, <laughs> <laughs> they certainly cost a lot of money. Um, I used to teach elementary school. I taught kindergarten and first grade, um, and then I ran a daycare out of my house for 11 years um, before. We were called, uprooted, and moved from California to Texas. So, um, yeah.
0: So have you always been
2: interested in the topic
0: of uh, personal finance and budgeting? Like you were born and you just came out and said, you know, I have a call to help other people out of debt.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. Like growing up, like seeing the mess that my family was in due to um, just not good management of money and, uh, and debt. Like I thought debt was evil. I did not want to be like, I didn't want to go down the same road that my parents went down. Um, but that, uh, quickly changed when I went to college and my scholarships and grants and part-time job only got me so far and covered so much of, my tuition and so the government offered me loans wasn't that so nice of them um and so there started the uh feed of being told that I needed to build my credit um and yeah so from student loans I got married and my husband bought everything with credit cards because yeah they got him the minute he opened up a Bank account. So I spent my time still kind of thinking debt was bad, um, but didn't equate student loans with debt. Um, And just kind of quietly worked in the background to pay off all of his credit cards. Um, But just as we progressed, just more and more, we bought into the saying that we needed to build our credit. Um, So and debt was just yeah. sort of a fact of life. Yeah, that was, just debt was just of, sort of a fact of life. We were just living the normal life. Um, now, when entered, you were growing up, your
0: parents didn't have a lot of money.
2: They no. weren't driving around in luxurious cars
0: and having debt with big car loans. That, that wasn't your reality.
2: No, there weren't car loans. It was business loans for a business that wasn't doing well. And it was a second mortgage on top of a second mortgage on top of refinancing and refinancing. And I thought those are just bad things because I saw like our electricity getting turned off. And, you know, um, Laura, we should probably say that you come from (laughs) a a large family. You come from a family
0: of six children. Yes. And so you you know what it's like to... To struggle uh, as a child with money and coming from a
2: family that wasn't of a lot of means. Correct. We lived on the wrong side of the tracks and uh, didn't have our own street streetlights. Um, and just there, it was, it was a struggle just to provide the basic necessities in our home.
0: So when you got to... Um to be a young adult, you started just doing the normal young adult things of taking out student loans, getting car loans, doing, having credit card debt. Um, so I, maybe we could get into a little bit of your journey into where you're at now. Like how did, what was God's plan for you in all of that?
2: Yes. So in 2010, enter Financial Peace University and Dave Ramsey. I had heard about this guy and I'd heard about this class from family members, um, and so out of curiosity, we thought, "What could it hurt?" Like, let's do it. Like, we're doing fine. We don't have big. We're just normal, right? We didn't. We didn't see ourselves as having any any real debt. Um, and how much debt did you have at that point? Uh, we had $28,000 in debt um, between a second mortgage, uh, home equity line of credit basically, and, uh, a truck payment. Wow. Um, so yeah, because who pays cash for cars? Like I didn't think that was even possible. So yeah, so we took financial peace and, um, it took a while, but like we started to see it work and it totally changed our mind and changed our view on how we needed to be behaving with our money rather than our money behaving (laughs) to us. Um, And we just saw it bring so much healing to our marriage relationship for 16 years of marriage. We were fighting over money all the time and um, fighting over control of the money. Um, and so we just saw so much benefit in taking the class that when our church offered to, they put it out for the whole church to go through it um, in 2012. So we jumped in and thought, okay, we can come in and and help teach it, help lead it um, during that time. And then that started a cycle of co-leading and leading classes since 2012 up until now. So,
0: so for um, some people that it might be new for them is what is financial peace university? Like give us a little
2: thumbnail of what that ministry is about. Okay. Um, it is a, I think you can say a basic personal finance, um, class that is put out there by Dave Ramsey. He has a radio show, um, and he created this course, um, to help people. Um, so it's a nine week class and we watch videos. There you go. Um, so we don't do the teaching Dave and his team do the teaching on videos. And then we have activities and discussion time, uh, focused around that. So, um, Go we go through his seven baby steps and how to work through that, how to budget, um, and how to just make the best decisions for your family financially. Um now, and it's now this all is, based on the Bible.
0: Yeah, so this is all kind of um church often it's churches that offer financial peace. So if people want to get yes. connected with this, they can go to the Dave Ramsey website, I assume, and find a church near them that offers this
2: course. Yep. Yep. Most definitely. Like there's a search thing in there and it'll pop up every church around you or there are other organizations that do it too, other than churches. And some people have to find other places to do it because their church isn't sponsoring it. Um, But yeah. So
0: so. So as you went through financial peace, Did you start getting out of debt? I mean, 28000 sounds like a lot of debt. Like, how does that... Did you declare bankruptcy? Like, how did you do that?
2: (laughs) Well, so it was pretty incredible. Like, once you've got the passion to get out and you've got the tools that you're equipped with, it actually went really quickly. So um, we... Paid off the truck first because we owed a little bit less on that than we did on the second mortgage and we were able to pay that off in five months. Wow. Um, and so then we took the payment that we were making on the truck and rolled that onto um, Our payment on the second mortgage and then again, like we did with the truck. We sold so much stuff that the kids thought they were next. Like, I literally chased them around, like, come on, let me take your picture so I can post you on Craigslist. Um, (laughs) But, (laughs) uh, like, we just sold everything we could and took every side hustle we could. And I ramped up my daycare business. And you were Captain Coupon. Yes, and I was... Coupon maniac, free um, stuff
0: everywhere. Yes,
2: yes, <laughs> yes. Check check out my full shopping cart for fifteen dollars, but I spent eight hours cutting out coupons. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so then we were able to pay off the second mortgage another you know, seven months after that. So a total of um, basically a year, eleven months to a year that we were able to pay off all twenty eight thousand um, dollars. So that was February of 2011. And I I will always remember forever that our first budget was March 2010. Um, So yeah, so just about a full year later. And then with our move to Texas in July 2017, we were able to pay off the house. Um, So since then, we've been 100% debt-free mortgage and all, which is a great feeling. (laughs) It's a great place to be. So as Dave Ramsey says, when you don't have debt, you have money.
1: So that's incredible. Um, <laughs> do you think that that the steps work for everyone or do they work for people who like maybe don't have and I'm I'm just making an assumption. So I'm just going to put that out there. But um, like, does it work for everyone? I guess that's that's my question. Like or do you or. Are the steps like kind of. I don't know, not not cumbersome, but um, like, is it is it difficult to do?
2: I don't think it is. I believe that it is for everyone. And I know everyone's in different situations. Not everybody has debt, but st- the statistics, like I didn't get the exact number, but it is astronomical. Um, like there's like 70 something percent of families that are in the U.S. that are living paycheck to paycheck meaning they have nothing in savings and they're just trying to to make do between paychecks. Um, so I think the steps really lay out a plan um, that works for everyone if you're committed to doing it um, in that order. I don't, I'm not gonna say that financial piece is the only way to manage finances, but it definitely works um and it's worked for millions of people
0: well let's let's you mentioned earlier that the financial peace program is based on the bible so maybe you know let's talk a little bit about the christian worldview and the foundation for money because um i think that many of us get more influenced by the culture and how we think about money than than we do about the bot from the bible and so. Maybe let's just take a few minutes to take a step back and think about what scripture has to say. And Monique kind of jokingly said a few minutes ago yeah. about, you know, well, isn't money the root of all evil? So let's just start with <laughs> with that statement because that's just out there in the culture.
2: Yeah, let's squelch that one right away. Yeah. <laughs> so what the Bible actually says in 1 Timothy 6.10 is that for the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Yeah. So yeah, it is the love of money that is the problem.
0: Yeah. And I think for me, when I think about it theologically, I always think about money is, is itself is neutral. It's all moral. It, you know, it, it's, it depends on how you use it. And I think money in a way and how we use it is a great revealer of our heart. It is the great revealer of what we value in our lives. And, you know, the the currencies of time and money are kind of the two big things that we invest in all the time. And um, it reveals our heart. And I guess the way I think about it is money is an opportunity for to build holiness in our lives. It's an opportunity for us to practice what god says about money because boy are there a lot of scriptures about money there are a lot (laughs) (laughs) jesus talks a lot about money and i i find that interesting that it's it's neither good or bad but we have such a an idea i think that if you have a lot of money you must be a bad person and that's not actually what scripture says
2: no, it's not. No.
1: It's, um, but the I don't know. Like I, I usually don't think about people who have a lot of money as being bad. That's, that's funny.
0: Really? <laughs> no. I mean, even the, in our political climate of like, well, the rich people, we need to take their money for us. I mean, that's such a, a common idea as if there's an idea that, well, there must be something unrighteous or unholy if you have that much money. And that it needs to be taken from them. Whereas in scripture, I guess the way I see it is there's there's examples of righteous people with a lot of money and unrighteous people. But there's also examples of unrighteous poor people mm-hmm. and righteous poor people. So it doesn't really see to me like just because somebody has a lot of money doesn't mean that they've gotten it illegally or it should be taken from them or that... God thinks that there's anything inherently bad about that person, but I think that cultural value is out there.
1: Don't oh, you? No, really? I, I mean, I just I disagree. With, I, if it is, I disagree with it, and I don't. Have think... you not
0: seen the recent Democratic political debates?
1: Well, I, but I mean, like if we're <laughs> gonna talk politics, then you could say that Republicans may not want to give people access or. Like, like that could be a whole different show that I don't yeah. think we want to get into. But I don't I just don't I don't necessarily know that um, that that's kind of how I view it. I think that there's a lot of other things. If you want to talk about Democrat and Republican that you could look at, that would be negative. On well, both not sides. even
0: politically, but I just think that 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 the idea is just out there in culture, that being rich is somehow bad or having money is bad. I don't know. I just. I d well, we'll see what people say on the chat box. Yeah, because I think that's Conver-
1: conversely though. I wonder if rich people look at poor people and say they must have done something wrong because that—that's I, I that's a fair point. That's a, a yeah. something that I would say is that some rich people looking like oh they must have done something wrong with their life. Yeah, and Republicans would probably say that.
0: Got to You just have to go there, don't <laughs> you? I do. <laughs> oh,
1: I do. Oh, yes. Uh,
0: Anyways, conversations to, that happen here. Yes. Back to my point. Which is, I think that money does reveal, though, a lot about our character and our yeah. and our priorities as, as Christians. Um, so, Laura, I'm curious, what are your thoughts about, because something you mentioned earlier is about saving money and that people don't have savings. Like, why should that be a concern for us as Christians?
2: Um, I think over and over again in Scripture, um, God is clear about, I mean, especially like throughout Proverbs talking about the comparison of the diligent and the sluggard. Um, But the diligent person is the one who succeeds and they're preparing for the future. They have means to get by. They're not being wasteful and lazy. Um, And and, they save. And they, they save. Yeah. The wise are saving. Um,
0: I I think though that that's an important point because Proverbs, I mean, if people wonder what God thinks about money and work, go read the Proverbs. Mm. Yes. Because there is tons of of practical wisdom there in that book. And the importance of storing up for the future, the importance of setting things aside for the future is a big theme of of Proverbs, but also that work is tied to money.
1: Yes, definitely. Definitely. What does wh- what does the Bible say about debt? Like we can hear what it says about savings and being diligent. What about debt?
2: The verse that sticks out the most to me is Proverbs 22, 7. There we go with Proverbs again. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Um, so that right there is showing when you're borrowing money, you're entering into bondage. Um which I don't know about you, but I prefer freedom over bondage. Um, And then in Romans says, Oh, no one, anything except to love each other for the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. So, and there's, there's a lot of scriptures about borrowing. Yeah. Um,
0: I think it's interesting that in so many scriptures about borrowing money or being in debt, there's, there's, pretty consistently in most of the scriptures, a very negative connotation about that. You know, it's yes. hooked with bondage and slavery and very negative ideas that you don't want to be in that, you know, and, and yet we're in this kind of difficult cultural moment where debt is just so accepted and it's just part of being, engaging in the American lifestyle, is having debt, getting in debt, even to the point, as you said before, about like having a good credit score, debt is seen as, a, as almost a good thing in our culture. And yet from a Christian worldview standpoint, the Bible says, no, debt is not a good thing. And so if we're going to live in a distinctly Christian way with our money, we're going to have to think about that.
1: What, how would you then address things like um, building up your credit? Like, I feel like, no, you don't want to go into debt, but to do anything here, you really need credit. You have to have credit to buy a house. You need credit to get a car. I mean, unless you're just walking in and paying cash for it, you need credit. Even in jobs, they check your credit nowadays, or they'll look at your TRW and look at how responsible you are. So what do you do when, that, when that's the culture that we do live in?
2: So the basics of a credit score is that a credit score tells creditors how good you are at borrowing money and you need a good credit score to borrow money. So it's an endless cycle of borrowing money to increase your credit score so that you can borrow more money. So if you're not trying to borrow money, then it doesn't really matter, does it?
1: Well... Um, I'm just, I don't know, like, I'm looking at, like, somebody who wants to, you know, buy a house for $500,000, which is an extremely cheap house in California, (laughs) you know, so would you then say that that person should just save that, like, continuously save until they've reached that marker or look out of state, just make sure that you don't, you don't, um, make sure that you pay for your house in cash?
2: Like, the mortgage is the one, um the one thing that is okay that Dave Ramsey doesn't shun, because that is a lot of money. Like it is very rare for him to be able to save up that much money, but more and more as more people are getting free from, from debt. Um, there are more and more mortgage brokers that are doing under manual underwritings. Sorry, I gotta get my, my terms right. Um, where they'll actually look at your assets rather than your credit score and do your your mortgage financing that way. And then my daughter was just telling me last night, she was supposed to send me the link to it, but she had heard that there is a company that will create a credit score for you based on your assets and your utility payment and all that stuff, all the good things, um, rather than on debt. And so that's, I think, an incredible move forward progress in helping people see that there are other options besides getting credit and
1: yeah when, okay so you mentioned like that that there are other options what do you think are some of the biggest mistakes that people are making in not like being aware of these options or taking hold of these options what are the mistakes that you see as a like a coordinator at financial peace
2: um i think Some of the biggest mistakes is just, like I did, believing the lie, hook, line, and sinker that you had to have a good credit score to do anything in life. Um, And basically spending more money than you have. I think we've all been guilty of spending more money than we have. It's like, oh, well, we don't have money for that in the bank, so we'll just put that on the credit card or we'll just take out a loan to fund that. Um, it's just become such a normal part of culture that that is one of the biggest hurdles to jump over. Even we talk about one of the big activities in financial peace is what we call plastectomies, which is cutting up credit cards. We have some giant scissors that we bring <laughs> with us to class. Um, because and- credit
0: cards, in a sense, are alone. They're, yes. they're kind of, they, if you pay, even pay it at the end of the month, I mean, it's still... A
2: short-term loan that you're taking out. It is. You're spending somebody else's money for the short, even if it's for the short term. So that's, yeah. I was, I was very much proud of myself that we didn't have credit card debt. Like I was good. I paid off my credit cards every month. Um, but I was juggling nine different cards. Oh, wow, That was stressful. There was no peace involved in that at all. It's like, well, I'll just put that on this card to float that for now. Like, oh, I'll use the gas card for gas and I'll use the you know, Kroger card for groceries and I get money back and I get rewards and I get points and airline miles and blah, blah, blah. Um, but I had no peace in my life whatsoever. Um, so now I just see a credit card as like shackles. Like here, you want to be in shackles and chains again? I'm like, no, thanks. So do you literally pay cash for everything? Is no, what- I, I use my debit card for a lot of things, but I do pay cash for a lot of things. So the debit card
0: is like paying cash because you're taking it directly out of the account, but pretty much you're on a cash only system. Correct. Correct. Okay.
1: Wow. Yep. Now you said that um, you were a teacher and so finance is not your like main forte. You didn't go to school for this. So one of the things for me, I kind of felt like, well, you know, if you're really good with a budget, then it was probably because you studied it, you did business or something like that. What do you say to those people? Do they I mean, are they capable of this too, or does it help when you have more of a finance background?
2: I think everybody is capable of it. Capable of it, and I think. God calls us all to be good stewards of what we have. Um, As our kids learned in Sunday school, um, we give back to God because it all belongs to him. Um, Everything we have is the Lord's and he's called us to be good stewards of it. So I think saying like, oh, but I don't have a background in finance. I'm not good at that. I can't do that. Um, Kind of be, am I allowed to say that's a cop out? Um, (laughs) Oh. Just put it out there. (laughs) Getting real, folks. It's getting real. Uh,
0: I mean, you know, (laughs) I'm curious though. Like, is this really something that I can I can imagine that some people might say, "Well, you know, we're a one income family, or I'm a single mom. That maybe this isn't for me. I need credit. I need loans in order just to to make it because I am living paycheck to paycheck." What would you say to have you even ever helped someone like
2: that get out of debt? Uh, We have helped singles. We've helped single people who are out on disability um, that are worried about, like, if I pay off my debt, then I'm going to lose my disability payments from the state. And so we've dealt with so many different circumstances. Recently we had a single mom with four kids um, and it, again, like it works for everybody. We've got people with dual income, but yet still scraping by. Um, But I think once you get in the plan, for some people it takes longer than others, Um, but the the program is 80% behavior change and only 20% knowledge um, and math. It's not a math problem, it's a behavior problem, so. Which, again, brings us back to the heart, which is the real
0: issue, Um, because really what we're doing is we're being posed. I think the challenge with money is that we are so influenced by our culture and how we think about money, and God wants us to submit to his way of, of doing money, and that's really the choice that we're in. Now, you said you made a statement a few minutes ago that everything belongs to the Lord. And that, that kind of make, makes me think about the issue of tithing. And I'm just wondering if you have any thoughts about tithing. Like if I'm on a get out of debt program, should I skip tithing? Do you think tithing is is really even for Christians or is that kind of an Old Testament idea?
1: Is the Lord coming from my wallet? That's what i to know.
2: Whose wallet is it after oh. all? Hmm, I don't know. so yeah you know until recently like I didn't realize that that was such kind of a debated topic um kind of controversial of is tithing still for believers today um but I have always believed that tithing is what we're called to do in a step of obedience um I can share from personal experience like when we were really struggling to keep things going and pay the bills every month and you know make it to the next paycheck then I would go through and be like well maybe because you know the word tithe means a tenth ten percent so you can't like give a fifth of a tenth like you can't say well I'm going to tithe five percent because that doesn't make sense but um but I did. I said, well, we'll just give 8%. Then we have more for, to pay our bills. Um, so I like, well, how about 7%? How about 9%? And things just never seem to work. When the more we cut from giving back to the Lord, the harder it was to make ends meet. Um, so when we did take FPU was when we made the commitment like, okay, we're going to go back to giving an actual tithe and that comes off the top and everything else will just have to be figured out from from there and it was amazing as we started doing that how much easier it was to make ends meet and everything just seemed to fall into place so much better so i don't know that's the whole like god part of it of it's kind of a supernatural thing when you're walking in obedience then things seem to work out better. Um, and there's more more blessings in that.
0: I think that for me, the way that I think about, one of the ways I think about money is, like I said before, is that it's an opportunity for holiness. Because when we're walking according to God's principles uh, for money, then we're walking um, in a way that we can hopefully begin to sow into generosity and kill the vice of greed. And that when we walk according to God's principles of saving, that helps us kill the vice of being compulsive and, and compulsively spending. So controlling our money, because only we can kind of tell our money where to go. You know, and, and controlling money helps us build holiness in our soul. I, I'm just curious, Laura, what you what you think about that, because that's just sort of one of the ways I think about it.
2: Yeah, well, I think like the biggest things that stand out to me that are hit over and over again in scripture and that I think ring out in this course is number one, contentment. When we learn to be content with what we have, rather than giving in to, like you said, um, the vice of greed and always wanting what other people have, um, which is the culture that we live in, right? Like we gotta drive the nicer car, have the brand new phone, everything, to impress people that we don't even care about. (laughs) Um, So when you can live in contentment, then, things are, are a lot more peaceful. And that's what God calls us to. And the more content you are, it leans more towards generosity. And I think my my favorite illustration um, that Dave gives is when you're giving, you know, your hands are open to give, but then they're still open to receive. If you're holding tight to your resources with clenched fe- fists, then your hands aren't open to receive anything so I think you when you when you hold on to things and you're stingy and you know the opposite of generous then you're missing out on so many blessings that the Lord has for you because I don't know for you if you've had the opportunity to um, bless someone else it's just as much a blessing to me when I'm able to be generous to somebody else as it is to them
1: that's good I like that depiction of clenched fists versus open hands um, I also wanted to go back to something that you said about um, we are the ones who tell our money where to go. And I was just thinking mm-hmm. like um, we we should be the ones to tell our money where to go. But I think that when you don't have it, then it tells you where to go. Like it kind of and you guys can like tell me if I'm wrong or if I'm thinking about this the wrong way. But I kind of feel like when people don't have it, then like where they want to go, their money tells them where well, you can't go there. Like you can't do this. Like I want to go buy a pair of shoes. Oh, but I've been like irresponsible with my money and I did something maybe foolish. Like I compulsively spent something. So now I need to go and do this. I need to go buy books for school, but I can't. So my money's telling me where I can't go, which is, I think, to the point that you're making of like when you are responsible, when you are saving, then you do tell your money where to go, as opposed to being bound and your money telling you where you can't go. Is this a, yes.
0: a, a personal example?
1: Well, look, what had happened was like, <laughs> I saw some shoes, some things was cute. <laughs> oh, That's
2: all I'm saying, yeah. Bath and
1: Body Works, boy, that thing is oh. a demon. <laughs> I can't even. I-
2: I've been refraining. I've been refraining from that store.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh, I have to cut the ties that bind.
2: (laughs) Well, let me ask you, Monique, um, from a
0: cultural perspective, I mean, is this whole thing about, because when I came into financial peace, when we, when, uh, because Laura and I went to the same church Mm -hmm. at that time when they were in Southern California, and we went through financial peace too, and I sat there and I watched the videos and I'm like, (laughs) this is just what my mother and my grandparents taught me like there was no new information there. Like we didn't have debt other than our mortgage and even our mortgage, we were very aggressively paying down already. And so we were kind of already operating in this system. But when I came into it, I'm like, I don't understand why this is a class like that just was new for me. And then I realized, Oh, there's a lot of people who don't think about money this way. Mm You know, I'm just curious from the culture of where you've come from, like, is this how you were brought up as well? Or no, like, not what at was all. that
1: experience? I mean, I grew up definitely um, in, in I didn't grow up in the suburbs, so to speak, <laughs> um, or with a silver spoon. And so, and I'm not saying that you did. I'm just saying that that wasn't my, my come from. And we didn't talk much about money unless it was where am I going to get this from to pay this bill? Where am I going to get money from because we need food? Where are we going to get money from because the kids need daycare? You yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. it was all, and that's where I'm getting the the thought in my mind of like money tells me where I can't go when I am not responsible with it. Um, but no, it wasn't like. A common conversation. I don't remember ever in church anyone saying you need to be doing this with your money. I remember people in church going through bankruptcy and things like that. But even in that and learning or people learning about or experiencing like the hardship of the realities of poor financing or poor money management, there was never, I don't feel like any kind of like talking the youth group about, hey, make sure you don't get student loans. Make sure when the creditors come for you, as soon as you turn eighteen, that you're not doing that. Um, I know many of my friends had cable bills in their name, and <laughs> they're underage, but it's because their parents that went and got you know cable bills and stuff like that in their name because they had already messed up their credit. Oh. So it just it oh. that wasn't that wasn't part of. The conversation that, you know, where I was growing up at um, and I i don't know if that's necessarily a black culture thing. I for on some levels, I do think it is. I don't think that we talk about money um, outwardly a lot. I think that's changing now. And I can see that with um, some of my friends or people who now my friends who now have kids and they're teaching their kids about money. And I just had a conversation with my sister yesterday, and my nephew wants a baby. All three of my nephews are really big in the sports, but my oldest nephew is really good at baseball, and he wants a glove that costs like $300. I get a text Auntie, can I please, will you please contribute? I'm gonna start a fund. A fund? <laughs> a what? <laughs> can you please contribute? And he's like 12. He's thir- he turned 13. 13 okay. Yes. So he, and I, I had not given him a birthday gift. And so he asked for his birthday gift if he could have cash. And I was like, eh, let's talk about this a little bit. Um, but when I talked to his mom, she was saying he's going to have to wash some cars and vacuum some floors and do some things because he has to understand the responsibility that comes with spending money, but with earning money. Yeah. And I just, I feel like for me, a lot of those conversations were missing. Um, Do I think part of it's cultural? Yes. But do I think across America, like Laura's saying, like 70%, if not more, of Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. That is inclusive of all people groups. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. I was just curious about the cultural aspect of it. Like, maybe it's just
1: some white idea. I don't know. Because of how I was raised. I think some people would say (laughs) it. I haven't debt no, that that is a white idea, but well, I don't think so. <laughs> I, I personally don't because Laura's white and she didn't have this, you know what I mean? So that, that right there would say that it can't just be like our struggle. I don't think that she's the anomaly in it.
0: Yeah. And I guess I'm hoping to try to make the case in the show that this is actually a biblical, mm-hmm. there's idea. some biblical yeah. foundation here. Yeah. It's not just a white idea, but um. You know, along those lines, Laura, I think one of the things, one of the great things I've learned from uh, my grandparents and my mother is the importance of an inheritance and saving for the future generations. And um, because of the hard work that my grandparents did, and they were, they were, they lived in a soddy in the side of a hill with a dirt floor in North Dakota, in, during the Dust Bowl. I mean, they were not rich people at all. But coming from that and then building on their legacy is part of the reason why my husband and I have been able to um, help our kids have a good education and and live in a, a, a house and, and everything. But I'm just wondering if you've reflected at all about what Scripture has to say about an inheritance and if that fits into
2: the financial peace model. Yeah. Well, again, back in Proverbs, um, Proverbs 13 says, a good man leaves an inheritance to his children and his children's children. Um, So that is definitely scriptural to leave a legacy for your family, to not leave them in a lynch is kind of what I think. I remember my, my biggest concern growing up is I would ask every adult that I trusted, like, can I inherit debt? Like, is that a thing? Because I don't want my parents to die because then I'm going to be stuck with all their payments. Like that was my biggest concern. And I don't think any child should ever have to have that concern. They should know that they're going to be taken care of. Um, And so we talk a lot in the class about what kind of legacy you want to leave um, for your family. Um, And a lot of it comes down to, and I think, again, it's scriptural that you know, you want to leave, you want to leave something, leave an inheritance for them so that they can take care of their families. But you also want to leave the education and the training of how to manage money with them too. So nobody wants to leave an inheritance to children who are just going to go out and squander it. Um, But that legacy involves so much more than just financial means.
0: Hmm. That's good
2: wisdom
1: what are some of the first steps that people can take if they want to get out of debt that's a good question first step to get stop, out of debt uh, is buying, stop.
0: stop shopping at Bath yes. & Body
1: Works the devil is a lie, rebuke <laughs> in the name of Jesus yes, hey oh I feel it in my spirit that new uh, fall line, yes Yes. you know you save 20% when you enter in that little uh, code I, yes. uh, but I know nothing about that get thee behind me <laughs> Bath and body works. I
2: think the first step to getting out of debt is to stop creating more debt.
1: Um, which is why. What if you pay for your bath and body works in cash?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Well, which is fine, which is fine. Like if I, if I've got the budget, if I've budgeted for it, then, um, then that's fine. Then my family yells like that candle's
1: accosting my nose. um, (laughs) You know, I'm not speaking from personal experience, but if you budget your bath and body works and your toiletries, I don't see nothing wrong with that.
2: (laughs) As long as you can control it. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we should have a conversation off camera. (laughs) The first step is controlling your money, taking taking control of that and managing that person in the mirror who is managing your money. Um, That is definitely the first step to it. Um, And then I would say like, Oh, 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 sorry, Did you fall? Oh. a little fall there. Um, sorry about that. That's okay. Technology, write down fun. the time queue and clean it up. Oh, it's got too so. <laughs> <laughs> just cover that with some bath and body works. Cover it
1: with the bath and Body yes, yes. Oh, isn't he so cute? <laughs>
2: that cute yes. little hedgehog is that what that is? A hedgehog, yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, yes, and a llama.
2: So, yeah, I would say take the time to study tithing and money in the Bible. Um, there's a lot of Bible reading plans on YouVersion, the Bible app for a quick start on that. Um, find the Financial Peace University class near you. Um, if that's not an option, go to the library and pick up Dave Ramsey's book, The Total Money Makeover. and read. I love how it. you say go to the library. Don't, don't just yeah. buy it. Because there's plenty card. of copies in the library, even yeah. thrift stores. Like you can go to the thrift store and get it. Um, so, or ask your, your friendly financial peace coordinator who has several copies on her bookshelf. Um, <laughs> so, um, start listening to the Dave Ramsey podcast. Like that used to be like my motivation when I was started running, um, as I would listen to Dave Ramsey yell at people and that pushed me <laughs> to get up the hill. Um, but, uh, So those are good starts. Try to get into a class and yeah. Yeah. Make the decision. I think the biggest thing is it's the behavior. It's making the decision of I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired, and I'm going to take control of this and start managing my money.
0: I think that that is kind of um, a biblical concept that we call repentance. Yes. Repentance starts with changing your mind about something. And then yes. when you, you start doing things God's way, it leads to different behaviors. And it, 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 it's a journey. I mean, it's just like anything in our life. But you keep, you've mentioned several times in the interview about um, the word peace. You keep talking about peace. This isn't peaceful or this doesn't help me feel peaceful about money, which makes me wonder about the opposite of peace which is I think disturbance or chaos or oppression. And I'm just wondering um, when I think about this, what your observations, if you've had any, about how people deal with money or how the enemy can sometimes use financial chaos as a lever of oppression, sort of the
2: opposite of peace in people's lives. Yeah. I think one thing that I heard recently is no matter how much money you have, whether you're rich or you're poor, the temptation, to sin is still there. The enemy's biggest, like I think biggest scheme is discontentment. Um, and then like you mentioned earlier, money fights, are one of the number one, it's either number one or number two reason for divorce and, um, marital problems, um, and again, I feel like that is totally a scheme of the enemy to tear families apart. Um, but yeah, being in bondage to money just leads to it's it's slavery, it's oppression, and there's no peace in it at all. So I've definitely said, like going back to that verse that the borrower is slave to the lender. Um, I don't think that's just you know, by chance that, that language is used in scripture. Um, And I think finding that freedom is like one major step in finding complete freedom. Um,
0: Very cool. Well, uh, again, we want to encourage people to go check out their local financial peace university at a church or uh, wherever. Uh, near them, they can go to the website and type in their zip code and do that. It's a great tool. Uh, not, not that one. But uh, you can
1: find your local <laughs> Bath and Body Works.
2: Yes, I, I, I suggest finding a financial peace over Bath and Body Works. Yes, find uh,
1: financial peace first, so then you can pay cash at Bath and Body Works.
2: Yeah, exactly. And if I can give see? a little shameless plug, um, I think nationwide on November 20th, there's going to be a financial peace live um, live stream. I know we're going to be hosting it at our church. Um, It's pretty much going to be financial peace through a fire hose, um, (laughs) three hours, and it's free. So I think they're setting up a special section of the website for it that you can find where that's going to be hosted in your local, local area. Um, So I would definitely recommend that November 20th of this year. It's the Wednesday before Thanksgiving, like the week before Thanksgiving. Very cool.
1: Awesome. Ah, Somebody going to be eating hot dogs this year for dinner. (laughs) You know, with the financial (laughs) peace, I got (gasps) to save them. That turkey costs $20. The devil is a lie. Y'all better eat this, Oscar Mayer. That'd be my house.
2: You're like, oh, it's turkey bologna. Yes.
1: (laughs) You better put some mustard on it and quit playing.
2: (laughs) Oh, bologna makes me feel poor.
1: (laughs) Girl, please. You fry that bologna up, get that dark rim around it, put a little mustard on that. Mm -mm. I can't
2: lie.
1: (laughs) I did grow up with some fried bologna sandwiches.
2: (laughs) Oh, my. Yeah. All right. So,
0: Laura, hey, are you up for uh, helping us field a question? as well sure all sure. right let's do it all right because there's a question that came in this week on on the dm uh from a viewer and i thought it would be a great kind of three-way discussion that we could have are, are you still with us i am okay i, am. I don't know what
2: you're <laughs> looking at <laughs> she's know. dreaming about bologna sandwiches yeah.
1: <laughs> 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 kind of was
0: kind of was i felt like she just went away uh-huh. all right so uh Let's talk a little bit about healing. Now, a few a uh, few weeks ago, we had Art Thomas on the show. Well, I had Art Thomas on the show. That was yes. the week you were out. I was in bed. Yes. <laughs> and uh, we talked a bit about healing, and I shared oh, I a little bit you. about my healing. Uh, so I wanted to get the, uh, if I can get Bob to uh, get the graphic up there. Ah, yes. There we go. I've, I'm trying to stall. All right. <sighs> So this was a follow-up question that came in. I've picked your brain on healing and suffering in the past because my church background is charismatic. Many of my family members have Bethel connections. The more I read and study, I find myself leaning more and more toward reform theology, but I definitely still believe God works miracles today. My question for you is this, how do we earnestly believe, seek, and pray for miracles while still leaning into the sovereignty of God? is submission to God's sovereignty and and admission that certain bad things are actually caused by him, and at least indirectly, ultimately for our good. So this is a a great question. And I thought it would be great to have Laura weigh in on this because, um, and you as well, Monique, is because all three of us sitting at the table have undergone some pretty significant physical healing experiences.
1: Yes.
2: Uh yes. Maybe Laura, you could share just like a really quick snapshot of what you went through. really quick snapshot. I was basically allergic to everything except for air and water, um, <laughs> but even the air bothered me sometimes um, and uh yeah, I was very, very sick, and no doctor could figure out what was causing it, what was going on um, and had yeah, a lot bored. of food allergies. I had a lot of food allergies, like I was miserable latex begging me to eat because I had lost so much weight and I was like, listen, I'd gladly put on 10 pounds to be able to eat again, but that's kind of a problem. Um, so yeah. Um, yeah. Balloons terrified me. Um, because yeah, that was horrible. There was a lot, there was just a lot that terrified me. Um, anxiety, you had pretty crippling anxiety, terrible, terrible, terrible anxiety. Um, and it was crazy, but the Lord took it all away. And all I can say is that it was miraculous healing. Um, so people so- can find out more about your
0: story. You and I did a little video together a few years ago on my YouTube channel, and I'll put it in the show notes if people want to get a little bit longer version of your healing story. But but really, um, much, much like my story, just very miraculous. And then, Monique, you've been healed of. A few allergies yourself.
1: Yeah. I was allergic to salt or I had some kind of salt imbalance allergy that the doctors really couldn't figure out. But um, you couldn't go from in the ocean, ocean water to Himalayan salt, kosher salt, uniodized salt um, would send me into anaphylactic shock. Hmm. And so, yeah, there was that. And then when one day I was in South Africa and they prayed for me and then, little did I know, I was eating something one day and someone was like, Oh my gosh, um, you know, this has that salt in it, and but nothing had happened. And I mean, I was eating, I was throwing down, <laughs> um, and then someone was like, Well, I've been cooking with this for the last you know, like week or whatever. And I kind of tied it back to that prayer time, um, but yeah, I go in the ocean, I have all kinds of salts, I like rock salt, sea salt, Himalayan salt, all kind of salts. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> so yes, I have also experienced God's healing. Also, um, I used to have really bad um, like nasal allergies yeah. too. Like hay fever. Like to the point where I would have to be in the house. Don't go outside. Windows like shut up. I had to like bubble wrap my house. And um... Yeah, the Lord healed me of that. Someone prayed for me when I was again in South Africa. Different experience. He actually, the I was at a a church con- not conference, but um, it was a church concert, and the pastor got up and was like, "The Lord has told me there's someone here with really bad allergies, and I'm supposed to pray for you." And nobody raised their hand, and I was like, "Well, ooh, is it was in me, because I have really bad allergies," <laughs> and so I raised my hand and the guy prayed for me and literally like yeah a night and day difference that's awesome so
0: good yeah so good
1: okay come so, out of the bubble wrap <laughs>
0: <laughs> so all three of us have had some pretty miraculous experiences so i think we're all at the table pretty convinced that miracles are for today yes um, Yes. and yes. that uh Uh, And I used to be Reformed. I I no longer really hold to Reformed theology, but I certainly understand the—I'm sympathetic toward those people who are Reformed. And I don't know, from our viewer, she didn't share why she's leaning that way. I know for me, the appeal was the doctrinal stability— um, so much of evangelicalism I perceived in that season of my life as being so emotion based. And when you get into the reformed stream of theology, it's it's highly cerebral and analytical, and it felt more stable to me. Like there was something to hold on to. and and there was a historic connection to what Christians had believed for centuries. And that was highly attractive to me. Um, and that there was, uh, uh, an appreciation for sound doctrine and that that didn't override personal experience. So those were some of the things that were attractive to me about reform theology. I think that, um, the question of God's sovereignty, if we can go back to the graphic for a minute, there's a point there that I want to make, um, you know, how do we earnestly believe, seek, and pray for miracles while still leaning into the sovereignty of God? And then in the follow-up question, um, is submission to God's sovereignty and admission that certain bad things are actually caused by Him, at least indirectly, and that are ultimately for our good? I guess I have a couple of thoughts, and then I'd like you guys to weigh in as well. One thing is this issue about uh, certain bad things being caused by God, I think it's important philosophically to differentiate between um, primary causes and secondary causes. Mm-hmm. Like, God is the creator of everything, but that doesn't mean he's the direct cause of everything. He's He's a secondary cause. And so um, when, uh, you know, I make a chair, by, if I'm a woodworker and I make a chair, God is directly responsible for trees Mm -hmm. but he's only secondarily responsible for the existence of the chair of me repurposing the materials to make the chair i am like as a free will agent that's been created by him can repurpose and refashion what he's created for my own purpose and so in that sense he's a secondary cause of the chair he's not a direct cause so i would say that many aspects of evil are not caused directly by God. Rather, he is a secondary cause. Whereas the enemy is often the direct cause of the evil. Now you could say God is the secondary cause because he created Lucifer. Mm -hmm. And, and then, but Lucifer used his free will to fall. And, and now he creates a lot of the havoc. So I'm cautious about saying that God causes sickness directly. Um, I wouldn't want to say that. I would rather say that God is an indirect cause because of him creating Lucifer, but that ultimately the enemy is the direct purveyor of a lot of disease. Mm -hmm. Um, But there are other diseases that are the result of our free will. Yeah. Like addictions can result in health complications, um, life choices that we make, um, obesity and weight can be a cause of of many health problems. Um, so, and then there's a combination of the enemy sort of capitalizing on our bad choices, I think, to introduce diseases. So, or make diseases worse. So, I'm I'm cautious about the whole god causing disease so that's kind of my my first thought about that i don't know if you guys have any thoughts about that
1: i think um when i first read it i was my mind immediately went to what god allows versus what he causes yes Mm -hmm. and um i do see that like evil is allowed diseases are allowed we live in a fallen world where we have free choices and um things are allowed because He is God and he will not change his mind on who he says we are and how he's created us. And so because he is not changing his mind, these things are still allowed to to not just run wild, but they're allowed to continue in the earth. Does that make sense? Yeah. So because he allows these things, then we do see sickness on the scene. We see evil, we see addiction and all of the other this, that, and the other, you know, that, that we would see. So, um, I don't know that that means that he is causing it. Like I directly caused this or I am allowing this because this is what I first sp- spoke into the earth.
2: Yeah. Laura, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I completely agree with both of you guys. Um, and I that's exactly reading that. Like that's where I felt towards the the last section of the question statement um is in the god causing things for our good um i think you know there is the we do believe the concept that god works things all things to our good but i think he has a way in his sovereign way of being of taking our poor choices <laughs> and our bad consequences and using them to teach us to teach us, to trust him more, to teach us, um, whatever the case may be. Um, but I'm wondering if, have our-
0: I'm wondering if you remember a moment that you and I had together once, Laura, where I, I said to you, um, God, isn't trying to teach you a lesson because of your suffering and your allergies, And you kind of looked at me like you didn't know what to what to think about me right in that moment. Yeah, I I don't know it because you kind of had a like a suffering paradigm of like, well, this is why this is my cross to bear. This is what I'm supposed to just endure the rest of my life. Yep. And Jesus caused this and he's okay with it. And then I started kind of gently challenged you. in that. I don't even know if you remember yeah, that.
2: I do. I, I distinctly remember I was believing the lie that all the out food allergies I had was my consequences to living in gluttony. Like because I was gluttonous, because I overindulged and had to have ice cream every night that this was my due payment for that sin. Um, and that was just, that what happened that God was trying to teach me a lesson to not be a glutton by making me have an allergic reaction to everything I ate.
1: One of the things that I want to kind of decouple that, um, I've, i I think I've heard anyway, is that, um, sickness can be the result of someone's sin. You know, like there are, I, I am not a scientist by any means. Um, But one of the things that I strongly believe is that even our cellular structures on like a molecular level are decaying because of just our humanness, because of the sin that has lingered in the earth for so long. And people may have things in their DNA. They may have things that, you know, they may have eaten healthy their whole life and still, you yeah. know, winds up with breast cancer or something like that. What we're not saying is that the sickness is the direct result of their sin. Um, right. But correct. the sovereignty of God, When she asked the question about the sovereignty of God. And what I would say is that the sovereignty, and you can correct me on this, which I, I hope you do, and I'm sure you will. Um, the sovereignty of God, because he is sovereign, he will allow what may even seem confusing to us and and seem like, well, I I did everything right. It's not that he is now, you know, we're now sinners in the hands of an angry God, so to speak, but that he is, he's not changing his mind on who he says he is and who he says we are and the principles that have been set forth, like I said, first in the earth. And... As we continue to to decay and as we continue to have changes in our cell structures and things like that um we do see these things even more frequent you know there's so many things in in the air or pollution or you know like whatever the foods that we eat even the most healthy of things yeah so what we're not saying is that if you are sick or you have some ailment it is the direct result of I I think that's such a good point because
0: sickness is so complicated because the causes can be so many different things. Mm -hmm. Like a disease can be directly caused by the enemy. Mm -hmm. It can be caused by the environment. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, it can be caused even by choices. You make your
1: food, what what you choose to eat. I eat nachos every day. (laughs) I'm sure this might be a problem later (laughs) Um, on. It can it is. It, uh
0: it can be the result of the fact that we live in a universe that is controlled and dominated by the second law of thermodynamics and, and decay. Um we live in a universe that's full of radiation that causes some forms of cancer. Um why people get sick is there's so many different reasons why mm-hmm. it can happen. And it can happen. From a, some combination yeah. of those things. And so it is important to kind of decouple those those items and our understanding. But what I want to say is that in all of those cases, it wasn't directly caused by God. Yes. But that he allows it is, is a very important distinction uh, that I want to make. I think the second point I want to make, if we can go back to the graphic for a minute, uh, is that... Um, this idea that it will ultimately be for our good. I want to, because one of you mentioned Romans eight twenty eight that all things work together for good. I I just want to try on a speculation about that. I think that God allows things that He hates in order to um, help us sometimes to grow in holiness that and that that this is really all training for the new creation Hmm. that this is how we respond because because our universe seems to be set up from the beginning in some measure with decay in it and um i would say that there's there's a there's a It seems like God has set it up so that there will be difficulty in what we endure. And I have to ask myself the question, why? Why did he set up a universe with the the second law of thermodynamics, where there would be decay, the stars would decay, that... Uh, metabolism would happen in our bodies, just even digest things. It requires the second law of thermodynamics. Like it was just set up that way from the beginning to some respect. Now, when sin comes in, it gets more complicated and accelerated. But I would say scientifically, it looks like from the beginning, decay was part of how God set things up. And the question that comes to my mind is why? And I've wondered if, this is all set up to help us. It's sort of like boot camp or basic training for the new creation where we will rule and reign with him. That it says that we will judge the angels. It says that we will govern. I don't know who we're gover- governing. doesn't say, but that we're going to rule and reign with him. So the this, this speculation or the thought that I've, I've had is maybe the, the God allows something he hates. He allows suffering. He allows our human free choice. He allows the consequences of those human free choices because he, he wants us to look to him to grow in our holiness. And if there's something about that, that we will carry that growth and maturity into the new creation. The more that we sow into our growing and our holiness, the more that that will help us somehow as we govern and judge angels. I don't know. Again, a speculation, but the idea of what does it mean that he's going to cause all things together for good? Because not every story has a happy ending. Mm-hmm. Some people still die paral- paraplegics. Some people die of cancer. Some people, some women die young and leave children behind. But why, why does God allow that? I don't know. Maybe I can get you guys to respond to that.
1: I don't know. No, no. (laughs) sorry. I don't mean to leave you hanging on the cliff. Um, But you are kind of kind of. Yeah, please do. No. Yeah. No, I
2: definitely like. Oh, sorry. Is Bob coming in? Yeah. Bob's going
1: to chime in. here. Oh, yeah. Well, I guess uh, one way... Can you hear me, oh, yeah. can you hear me okay? Okay. Uh, my camera's not working, so I can't cut to me. But um, but yeah, I guess one way to look at it is... it. Well, it depends on kind of how you look at it. For example, like when Jesus died on the cross, was that, was that a good thing or a bad thing?
0: You know, if you're a disciple in the moment, it was, it was a obviously bad a bad thing. Yeah. But it was the best thing in the world for us. So it's, you know, God can turn
1: things that might seem like something that's horrible and awful into something good and glorious.
0: But only if you have a two-creation perspective. Exactly. Because that eternal Mm -hmm. life won't come to fruition until the new creation. To me, a a two-creation perspective is absolutely critical to understanding the problem of evil and suffering Mm -hmm. and and disease.
1: Yeah, so that's
0: really the only way you can make sense of it. If you only look at this world, yeah, it doesn't make any sense, the pain and evil and suffering that we have here, but if you have the two creation model then then that's your answer that's how things make sense
2: yeah yeah definitely we we might not see the good on this side of heaven but we'll see it on the other side like i i i approve of your speculation (laughs) poor
0: laura she's had to endure more than her fair share of my speculations over the years
2: Some, some, uh, let's try on this thought. Yeah, so. let's try it. She's
0: my official person that I'm always trying on my ideas. So what do you, what do you think about this? Why is this broken? Why is this a bad idea?
2: So.
0: Uh, it's <laughs> well, thanks fun. for coming on friend. Yes. Thank, thank you very you. much. Thank Being you so, so much. Brave. And I, I want to say a word here. Like we platform people with books, famous people, and we platform, regular people like people just grinding out the ministry people like jane pantig that we had on a few weeks ago Mm -hmm. she's not a big name personality she doesn't have a big website but man she's just grinding out some awesome work for the kingdom of god i love having i loved having sarah wilkins on the show Mm -hmm. when we talked about mops just a regular gal grinding it out for the kingdom of god trying to bring the gospel to to mothers with young children. And that's what I love about having people like Laura on the show. You know, she's helped hundreds of people over the years to learn how to make budgets. And- she's helped me.
1: Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and put <laughs> that out there. Yes. Thank you.
0: But I, I just so appreciate what you do for the kingdom, Laura, because it really is kingdom work. And I know that this is part of your call and your gifts. And as you walk in it, it, um it brings you pleasure because you know that you're walking in obedience with the Lord and it brings the Lord pre- pleasure. So just thank you for all that you've sown into so many lives over the years. Yep. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah. Well, it's great having you on the show. So thanks for yes. doing this. Let me
2: rope you <laughs> into something. <laughs> it's all sorts of fun. I feel like I'm right there in the living room with you. Yeah. No. <laughs> we'll come come us. see us soon. All right. Take yeah.
0: care. Bye. Bye. Okay, people. You got to vote on these earrings. It's the first time in my life I've ever worn hoop earrings.
1: I say you should rock it on every day. <laughs> yeah. I have on some hoops. These are small hoops. Yes. These are Monique's earrings. Yes. But I really wanted her to wear these. Yes. Little fringe at the bottom. Yes. <laughs> hit my shoulders. That's all right. Nothing wrong with she's it. she wore these. <laughs> oh, the fried bologna! Ooh. Oh man, you know you don't cut the side. That's so that it don't curl up. No, you need that curl so you can get that good burn around the edge. I don't know who making this. <laughs> and all that greasing it. The... No, I don't know. I'm a little skeptical on their bologna making skills. <laughs> I need. I'm gonna do a tutorial. Okay, watch for watch for Monique's coaching
0: video on how to fry bologna. Properly next episode. Next episode. <laughs> okay. Don't forget to check out our family's clothing store, help support the ministry. Uh, two great ways you can do that is buy a shirt and click on the share button and tell your friends about, yes. about the show. I hope you've enjoyed this little romp through money. Be sure to check out the show notes at theology, slash
1: all the things. Yes. Have a question? Email us at attlivestream at gmail.com. Yes, and follow Monique on Twitter at therealmoniqueD. Ugh, oh, I keep forgetting I even have a Twitter. I need to put something. You got to do something there. Got to sort myself out, folks.
0: Get 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 moving there. Alrighty. Okay. It's been a good one. It is. All right, my friends. Thank you so much for watching. We'll see you soon. God Bye. bless. Bye.